We're back again. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we're here to give you episode three in the Ahsoka series here today. Last week, we left off with Chase taking us through episode two. I'll go ahead and guide us here to episode three here today. A lot of fun stuff. You know, it's one of the shorter episodes in the series, but I feel like there's a lot of backstory and, and, and uh, things that were needed to be mentioned that make things make sense for uh, a little bit of not just like what's going on currently, but also a little bit about the past as well. So I think this episode was like super necessary and I'm really excited to kind of dive into it and we'll, we'll digest it. We'll go through our takeaways like in debates like normal. But before we go ahead and jump into it, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man, good stuff. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, it's definitely building, I think, is the idea of this episode. So a lot of good stuff, man. And uh, this one's all Jay Nelly today. Jay Nelly, I'll let you take it away, brother. Cheers. Cheers, man. Sounds like a plan. All right. To start us off here on episode three, the episode opens with Ahsoka flying through hyperspace. Uh, Hu Yang is training saber techniques with Sabine Wren, and at the end, it's it comes up with like this calculation of all the right movements she made and all the wrong movements she made, and Hu Yang tells her that she didn't do bad, but also didn't do good, and. She says that she tells both uh, Hu Yang and Ahsoka that she can. What she's able to do is enough to get by, and Hu Yang says barely. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but uh, from there, Ahsoka tells Sabine that she wants her to try something new. And a little bit of dialogue between the two. Sabine says, "According to Hu Yang, I'm the worst Jedi candidate out of every Jedi candidate he's ever known." And Ahsoka said, "You told her that," and Hu Yang said, "It's true." <laughs> So Ahsoka has Sabine put on this helmet, and it's one of those helmets that blinds you to where you can't see at all. It's like pitch black darkness in there, and it, it almost reminded me, tell me if you agree with me, Chase, of when Arya Stark lost her eyes in the house in black and white, and she had to try fighting blind against the, the, the wharf girl there. Uh, I don't know if, if that kind of gave you the similar vibes. What did you think about it? Yeah, the waif, man. It, it kind of did. Um, it yeah it was it was very interesting it kind of gave me like daredevil vibe vibes too in a way but yeah it did it, it uh i thought they were about to play the uh game of faces for a minute for sure i mean and the whole point of this is ahsoka wants sabine to see with more than just her eyes well sabine does not start off so hot she has no clue where ahsoka is and really isn't able to use the force at all to guide her was, uh, the first uh attempt was Kind of pitiful, to be honest. And Sabine ends up getting frustrated by her lack of success, and she kind of rips the helmet off at the end while she got tripped on the ground. And Ahsoka says, Anger and frustration are quick to give power, but they also unbalance you. And Ahsoka tells her to go again. And that's when the title sequence hits. And from there, the scene shifts, and they are there are ships flying through like a big fleet, and this is where we see Captain Hera Sedula, and she's on board. And she has this meeting with the Chancellor and the Senators. And she's explaining uh, about the events of last episode with their Imperial remnants on that on Corellia, where they tried to stop that big ship from taking off, and they ended up arresting a few of those those guys on on that planet. She's going through this meeting, and she's explaining how they lead to a greater conflict involving uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. 
So she's asking for approval for a mission and uh, the New Republic resources to help her do it. And there's this guy there that's just giving her a hard time. Like Senator Ziono or whatever, he just does not seem to like Harrison Dula at all. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised that he ended up being a bad guy himself the way he's trying to just dismiss this shit and, and kind of sweep it under the rug. But in any event, they, they, she pleads her case. The Chancellor says she's got to speak with the Senators alone for a moment, so she leaves the room. And when she leaves the room, we see her son. His, her son's name is Jason. And his appearance, I think, is going to lead to something. And I'm not sure exactly what that is, but I think it was pretty cool because of just like a little bit of how he looked. And he makes his first appearance on screen, and he's excited about Sabine continuing her training to be a Jedi. From there, the scene shifts over to Sabine and Ahsoka, and Ahsoka tells Sabine that she did well for her first try and that she's always been a fast learner. So we're assuming in the time that we didn't see when we were following uh, Captain Syndulla over with the fleet that you know the next uh, training sessions that she was going through were a little bit better than the one we actually saw on screen. Uh, Sabine was hoping that the urgency of their mission would expedite her training a little bit, but Ahsoka says it doesn't work that way. And Sabine tells her that she can't use the Force because she doesn't feel it the way that Ahsoka does. But Ahsoka tells Sabine that the Force is in all living things and that training and focus determines the success and that not everyone can handle the discipline it takes to master the ways of the Force. And she tells Sabine, just start small, like moving a cup across the table. So Sabine tells Ahsoka that she's going to give this everything she's got, she's going to give it her best. And Ahsoka just kind of nods her approval and goes to the cockpit joining Hu Yang. So Yang just conversationally asks Ahsoka how it's going, and Ahsoka tells Yang that Sabine is frustrated. And Yang tells her they, they both knew that this wasn't going to be easy. And just some dialogue between Ahsoka and Yang, and I think this is important because it, it leaves us a little bit more of a nugget about the Jedi Order and what their the levels of competency were and what was acceptable for them and what wasn't. She, Ahsoka says, well, what you said didn't help. And Yang replies, I only spoke the truth. The Jedi Order would not have accepted her. She is not an acceptable candidate. And Ahsoka replies, by their standards. Yang says, standards that were proven over a millennium. And Ahsoka says, and failed. To which Yang says, you do realize that historically, there have been very few Mandalorians who ever became a Jedi. And Ahsoka tells him, I don't need Sabine to be a Jedi. I need her to be herself. And I want to stop here because I think this is a really big part of what we talked about last week as well when you were mentioning we were thinking maybe Grogu could be the first combination of Mandalorian and Jedi. Apparently it has happened a few times over the history, in the course of history in the Jedi Order. Because he, he, like, he says it himself, he says, you do realize that historically there have been very few Mandalorians who ever became a Jedi. So meaning it has happened before. It's, it's, so I'm curious, you know, uh, like then are we trying to... What's the whole point of the Mandalorian then? You know what I mean? Outside of just going into like the lore of it and maybe following that side, but I guess like I don't want to say what's the point of Mandalorian. What's the point of Grogu? I guess you know is he going to be like this this uh, encompassing creature that is a little bit of everything? Is that kind of what we're we're thinking about for him? I know it's a little bit of a shift from the Ahsoka series, but they are intertwined, especially now that Sabine uh, is going to is a Mandalorian and in kind of donning the Mandalorian helmet and armor, and obviously we have the other show where Din Djarin, it, it just follows Mandalorian Creed and, and their journeys there, and you got Grogu so, uh, that is 
the focal point of that universe it seems so it's my question is which is hilarious because actually when the main came out grogu was not supposed to be a focal point but the audience kind of want like you gotta give the audience what they want right so i guess my thing is 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 what makes Grogu special then? If he's not going to be the first Mandalorian Jedi, and Sabine's going to attempt to be a Mandalorian Jedi, I guess, well, Ahsoka did say she doesn't need to be a Jedi, she needs to be herself. But the point is, if it's, if it's happened numerous times throughout history, no matter how many few times it has happened, it's not the the first in, inception or inauguration of this idea. Is, is, some, is Grogu going to be something more? Is Grogu going to be... Uh, a little bit of everything, not just Mandalorian, not just Jedi. Maybe, like, obviously, whatever creature he is that seems to be similar species to Yoda, is he gonna? They, you know, is that gonna be part of it? Is this gonna be? Is he gonna be like the one that could that masters every everything that there is? Is that gonna be his his whole thing? I guess I wanted to ask you that because look, we just found out that there have been Mandalorian Jedi before, so I guess I, I, that that kind of leads to the question: is you know if that's happened before. What what's Grogu's what's what's the point of Grogu going forward? I guess the reason Grogu is so special is because of the species he is, uh, which we still don't know what species he really is, but we can assume he's the same species as what Master Yoda was. Which the, I guess maybe that's why he's so legendary because i'm assuming dinjarin and them have at least heard the name yoda <laughs> i mean we know luke has so i mean the you know i mean you gotta assume yoda is pretty damn legendary unless luke just kept that bottled up forever <laughs> after yoda passed away but um that clearly they know he's special just the ability to use the force in what he's displayed and that everyone wanted him as the child that they referred him to, which is why I guess he's so special um, now versus like being a Mandalorian Jedi. So I'm assuming in their minds now that they just assumed he could become a Mandalorian and a Jedi, maybe. But then that kind of takes us off the path of Din Djarin was trying to get him to his people. So... I don't know. It's almost like they're trying to force some things in there. But this also brings up another question. How Mandalorian is Sabine when she doesn't keep her helmet on all the time? Because we know Din Djarin, he was basically outcast for taking his helmet off. But then you had Bo-Katan. That's from like the newer creeds that doesn't believe in that. So I really almost even question more of Sabine and how far back her like ties go to that if she's actually truly tied to the old ways or if it's just more of she had people in her family that was mandalorian and they have some of the same practices but that's my thought on grogu is it's really more about the species he is and the build-up that was behind him because they haven't seen a, a species like that since yoda was around what are your thoughts yeah, I guess my thoughts are I think they're going to I think they're going to have Grogu just be a compilation of everything. There's probably going to be other stuff out there too that we don't know about and he's just going to kind of soak up all abilities to these where he's this this one central focal uh, character and, and entity that is is a little bit of of it all, you know, Mandalorian, Jedi, the species of Yoda, whatever that is. 
uh, you know, who knows what the other, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be like a, like a dark witch or something too, but like, I'm just saying, I think that there's just, he's going to end up being a little bit of everything. It's just, I thought that was the whole point of the Mandalorian and, and having Grogu chained by the Jedi, but also still following Mandalorian Creed is that he was going to be the very first to cross over and do both. But look, it's already been done before. So that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. It's just something that I, I had, uh. I had wanted to, to do a quick sidebar on, but to get back to it, the, the scene cuts back to Sabine, and she's trying to use a force to pull the cup on the table towards her. It doesn't budge, and Ahsoka goes over the intercom in the ship and tells uh, Sabine that Hera's on the transmission. Hera tells him that the Senate committee wouldn't approve the mission. Nothing else comes through because they entered the Denab system, so all their transmissions started to become jammed so that all they heard from Hera is that they that there was no approval for the mission and then there's nothing else that came through it got cut out and then from there there's now six ships and two sections of three that are pursuing them and and Shin Hati is flying one of them herself and Sabine and Ahsoka they start they don't really start out too well they are kind of going back and forth they're clashing a little bit and it's showing because they, their ships getting hit and they're like the young's like, yeah, we got to fucking work together, guys. Like, get the shit, get your shit together. You know, those are like button heads, man. So uh, Sabine and Ahsoka start working together. Sabine tells Ahsoka to move on her signal. Uh, she and, and the first thing that she did was she had them in the scope, but just barely missed it. Ahsoka tells her that she'll have another chance, and then she does have that next chance and destroys the first ship. She's able to blast two more down while they're doing the working together. They're communicating, and it's just um, it's starting to work a little bit better now that they're trusting each other. Now he, uh, they're trying to figure out what the strange ship is that looks like a hyperspace ring, and Ahsoka says she wants to confirm if it is a hyperspace ring or not. And that's when the scene moves over to Morgan Elsbeth, and Morgan Elsbeth's annoyed that the ships are letting ahsoka and sabine and he get that far and she's like all right you know what fuck it i'll deal with them and so she has her little minions prepare the turbo lasers and all of a sudden these two lasers starts going boom boom like they're just flying out starts shooting at them and you know sabine and ahsoka to their credit is moving dodging hitting like, like all those turbo lasers like as many they're shooting as powerful they are it's just not hitting them they're they're doing a great job of evading and while they're evading, Hu Yang starts this scan to, to figure out exactly what that, that ship is the, that he thinks is a hyperspace ring. So the scan's almost complete, but he needs them to get closer. And just as Hu Yang's scan gets completed, they get hit. And, and then Hu Yang, like, it goes unconscious. And then Shinati tells Morgan Elizabeth that she'll take it from there. So they end up, all the, the three remaining ships go and try to attack the ship now that's not it's not functioning it's just kind of suspended in midair the engines are off it's like a dead ship but it's still suspended in air there so Ahsoka what she does is she goes out on the wing to distract the other squadron of the three ships while Sabine tries to get the ship running again and I thought this is really fucking cool Ahsoka does this like sick cartwheel roll and cuts the wing off of one of the ships and so now we're down to two ships and the two ships aren't able to get her down and Sabine is able to get the ship fixed and running while Ahsoka is still kind of distracting the the two remaining ships. And they and then as she fixes it, Ahsoka's like, all right, well, come and get me, and ends up getting Ahsoka back inside. And the remaining two ships continue to pursue Ahsoka and Sabine and just continuously firing at them. And so, again, they're doing great at evading. They're avoiding being hit. And then something else comes on the scanner, and Sabine asks if it's another ship, but Ahsoka says, it's no, it's not. 
and the camera pans and it's a herd of what they call space whales, also known as Purgle. And to me, I thought these were really cool, man. They're like this humpback whale in the face and half of its body. Then the second half of its body was like a squid. And it, it moved around like a squid does, but through space. It was just really interesting. I really liked how they, they looked. Is that, did you have any thoughts? Or, or what did you, did you think about the, the Purgle space whales here? What did you think about them? Uh, it took me back to episode one and maybe like a little bit of avatar or something <laughs> like it was uh it reminded me of when you know qui-gon jinn and obi-wan were in that like sea ship or whatever and then the fish like bit down on the spaceship and then it got ate by the other fish and qui-gon jinn was like well there's always a bigger fish so, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was interesting, man. I mean, there, there, there's something about this franchise that always comes up with interesting monsters. This and The Witcher, like, I mean, it's very creative. So, yeah, I guess we can call it a, a squid whale. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Your thoughts, man? I just thought it was super cool and unique. I mean, they're called space whales. Well, I guess the, the technical name is Purgle. But like, I just I, that was really interesting. Like I said, man. Its face and half of its body looked just like a humpback whale. It had the bristles for the teeth and everything. But then the second half of its body, it just is all squid. It's, I'd never seen anything like it. It was really fucking cool. Uh, they did a great job of, of coming up again with another type of creature I never would have thought of in my wildest dreams. So I think, yeah, the hats off to them. But to get back into it there, they use the herd of these space whales to their advantage and they weave in and out of these huge bodied creatures and they're able to lose Shinati and the other uh, battle guy that Ahsoka went one-on-one -on -one with in episode two that you covered last week. And then at th this point, Huyang finally comes back online and they land in a forest of red-leaved trees and they shut the power down. And like Huyang's like, I, I don't recommend that. And then so goes like, well, standard Jedi protocol. And he's like, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> and so they end up shutting that down. And the two destroyer ships that are flown by Shinati and the other guy, uh, they fly overhead. But they're unable to locate where Ahsoka and Sabine are. So they end up heading back. And Sabine, she says that she hasn't seen the space whales since the day Ezra Bridger disappeared. And at this point, the whole reason they even got to this point is because they needed to get a scan of that, what they assumed was a hyperspace ring. Now that he's back up online, Huyang pulls up the scan and tells them that the enemy vessel is still under construction but and not yet complete. He says there are six hyperdrive engines in place with the final one being set into position. It is a hyperspace ring, but Huyang has never seen one built on this scale before. He said a craft with those power levels and configuration would be capable of a hyperspace jump of astonishing speed and distance. So Ahsoka asks him, and she asks if it could make the jump to a neighboring galaxy. And Hyang tells her, theoretically, yes, if one knew the coordinates and the navigation. Now at this point, the scene moves over to Balin Skull. And he tells the troops that the Jedi have taken refuge in the forest. I thought it was cool because he's standing with his arms crossed and his eyes closed. And what's he doing? What Ahsoka just decided not to do last episode and using the force and finding out his surroundings. And he tells the troops to hunt them down. And the episode actually closes out with the camera panning in and a close-up on Balin Skull's face. And I thought it was just badass because, dude, I mean, at the end of the day... This I, I'm looking forward to seeing this motherfucker in action. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, because he, he seems like this, uh, you know, almost. I don't want to say 
it's hard for me to say he's because he obviously seems to be an antagonist, right? But he almost reminds me of those old mentor sage individuals like the bronze of the Aragon series or the Brahms of the Aragon series, or like the Dumbledores, the Gandalfs, but like on the on the flip side, on the, on the bad side, but still like very there's something about him you just respect, man. I just don't know what it is, bro. But like the thing he's just sitting there his arm crossed and he senses him using the force, tells him exactly what I just thought that shit was badass, man. But in any event, uh that's how the episode closes out. Pans in on Balen Skull's face and cuts out and and uh yeah man so Give me an idea about some of the takeaways you had from this episode. Yeah, man, it was great. I mean, the action was cool. You can see how it's building with Sabine. And, you know, we got to kind of find out more about everything that's going down with uh, Balin Skull and and, and Shin, uh, Shin Tara. <laughs> how do I say her name again? Aegon II. <laughs> that's her name. Shin Hati. <laughs> Shin Hati. Shin, Shin the Conqueror. <laughs> Shin Hati the Second. <laughs> no, Shin Hati. Yeah, so it was good. It was actually a really short episode. I was really surprised kind of how short it was. But, they, you know, they uh, started to kind of build, which was really good. And um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it was good. It was nothing that was like, I was like, oh, wow, that was crazy like awesome but it was a solid episode like i don't have a problem with it it was really good but yeah balen skull man i would love to see that motherfucker in action he reminds me of like uh to answer your question there just kind of like you said like almost like if dumbledore went bad like if like he feels like i feel like he has skill that is like he's very calm about things just like how he said you know it, it he would basically yeah not it would be, I forgot his exact words, but basically it wouldn't be good if Ahsoka was taken out because the Jedi are already so far gone. So he's very calm. But at the same time, you saw just a little glimpse from that episode one, how easy it was for him to kick ass. So like, I, I wonder, man, it's it's almost like if uh, Count Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn merged together and then put on 100 pounds. That's what you're like looking at. So it was badass, man. It was a good episode. Takeaways, I would give it a solid... I mean, I'd give it a solid B. Like, there was nothing bad about it. There was nothing crazy, but it's definitely building. And uh, it was a really good build-up episode, I would say. What about you? I think that it did a lot to... There wasn't a ton of action. The action was all pretty much just destroyer ships trying to shoot down a yeah. ship. There's no like hand-to-hand combat cool stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I did think some of the maneuvers were really sick. Like the weaving in and out of the whales to, to escape. The, her jumping on that wing and doing that cartwheel roll and cutting the wing off with her dual lightsaber shit. That was fucking awesome. Like, so there, was some, there was definitely some moments that stood out. But what I really took away from this episode was that it was one of those ones to help. It was like an, almost an understanding episode, giving you the backstory on stuff. Then we learned about the fact that there have been Mandalorian Jedi before. We see the training that Hu Yang has put other Je- like Jedi's through, like the old Jedi Temple through the whole scanning thing, where that it monitors her movements and what she should have been doing versus her actual movements, and it gives her a score on that. And like those are cool things we've never seen before. Like I said, just it was more like I don't even just call it a build it episode because I think the episode was fine on its own. It's just it, because there wasn't this whole big showdown and there wasn't, 
you know, something that that you said wild or crazy that happened. It may have seemed a little bit slower, but to me, these are the kind of episodes that are important because they they provide context. They provide context about what's going on. On top of that, you started to see that Sabine and Ahsoka put a little bit of their frustration with each other aside and started to work together. And we see when they work together, things typically end up all right. Like their their ship was getting lit up when they were button heads about it. And then when Hu Yang's like, you guys got to work together. We're not going to be alive for the next conversation about it. You know, and then so Ahsoka just gives in and says, all right, Sabine, like you, you tell us what to do and we'll, we'll work it out. And then from there, it was just a good, uh, you know, symbiotic relationship. And, and it helped them escape. But the point is, is it shows that their relationship's developing and it's, it's getting better from where it started in episode one to where it continued on last week in episode two to where we are here today. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for this episode. And again, yeah, I, I, we, we talk about the, the tier. I know last week I really talked about the tiers of the antagonist and you got to kind of see them all again. Like Morgan Elsbeth just kind of was overseeing everything and, and was ordering her people to hit the turbo lasers on these guys. And Shinati and the other guy were the ones on the front lines, kind of just following the orders, but you know, definitely formidable opponents. And I don't even know where the hell Balin Skull was during everything that was going on. He wasn't like near Morgan Elsbeth. He wasn't on the ships or nothing he just shows up at the end uh, on that planet and just uses the force and says yeah i know exactly where they are they're in that forest go get them like i'm like oh what a fucking badass dude just shows up when he wants does what he wants he's just like i'm on my own time y'all can go fuck yourself like he's like, he's like I, but so i just i just really enjoy his character too and like i said and then now we got this new creature and honestly this creature the way it was moving, and there was a big foreshadow when uh, Sabine said that she hasn't seen the space whales since Ezra Bridger disappeared. So maybe these space whales have something to do with like, get, get, like the way that he was able to take down Thrawn, or at least uh, get Thrawn out of that galaxy into exile. Like, maybe, I mean, I think that these space whales probably have a really big role to play in that. You know, and we saw that they have, uh, they they have at least a very thick. Shelly, they were they, these ships were bouncing all around him, and they weren't even moving off their course. They're like, dude, get out of my way. To them, it was like you know, if like sea enemies were brushing against them while they were in the in the water, dude. Honestly, you know what? It kind of reminded me of, kind of reminded me of like the the sea turtles in Finding Nemo when they're going down the East Australian Current, and then they're, sitting, they're like, yeah, dude. Like, kind of remind me of that, but with these cool ass whale squids that they call Purgle. So. And my long story short, the takeaways are it was still a very good episode. It was a quality episode. It was shorter. There wasn't anything on screen that was a wow factor or anything like that. But I do think it was a necessary episode, and I do think it provided a lot of context. And I think we learned more in this episode, like like just from a, a mental aspect, than we did in the previous episodes so far. So to me, I also gave it a B. I ranked it. I gave that a little scale of a B there. Um, you know, I I didn't have a lot of problems with it. The only, I, like I know, I would say it's a quote-unquote slower episode, but even it really wasn't. You know, if you like, like, if you enjoy ships fighting each other in space, it still was really cool. Me, I'm more of a hand-to-hand combat guy. I want to see people with like swords, like duke it out. But you can't have that every episode. You just can't. You know, or else that'll get old. You know what I mean? So I had zero problems with this episode. I liked it. Uh, yes, it was shorter. Maybe you can consider it a bit slower, but I, again, I I enjoyed this episode just fine. So that's uh, those are my takeaways on it, my man. Did you have anything you want to add to that before we jump into the debate side of stuff? 
I mean, it was pretty cool seeing Ahsoka dress in like an astronaut suit. Like I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of like wondering what was going to go on. Like what was really her plan? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like she's, <laughs> and then you, it true. It like it, like you could say unrealistic, but it was realistic because in space, I mean, you can actually like jump up and down and float and then cut things. So I mean, yeah, it was much realistic than what we saw Ray Skywalker fucking do on on a planet with gravity. So yeah, it was cool, man. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was nothing like astounding, but still, it was a, a really good episode. So I liked it. Yeah, man, same. So I guess I'll turn it over to you, man. Let's go ahead and kick it off with your debates. Yeah, my debate for today is uh, I got two. First one is for Sabine. Now that she's kind of starting to pull the Arya Stark ways and, you know, uh, get many faces here, (laughs) how far do you think her talent can go? Because we know... You know, we've heard what the droid, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, or something. Hu Yang, Hu Yang. Hu Yang, yeah. So Hu Yang said, you know, she's probably like the, I hate to say it this way, but the not as talented <laughs> prospect to become a Jedi, no, right? He straight up said she was the worst candidate out of every candidate he's ever seen. And, like, it's not one of those, like, uh, uh, subjective things. He's talking about with statistics, with everything considered, he's saying, like, no, this is the truth. She's not an acceptable candidate. Like, he, like, <laughs> he was not being nice about it at all. But, he, like, he was, like, he's a robot, so he doesn't have emotion. Like, he's, he, like, he's giving you facts and in, in numbers. And he's saying, like, based on all these facts and numbers, she is the single worst candidate for a Jedi the orders would have ever seen and they would never have accepted her. Like, <laughs> Dude, that's so fucked up. And what's so funny was when he was saying that last episode, you almost thought like he was like trying to use reverse psychology at first because he was so blunt about it and now he just no fucks given man. Like you suck. But you should still do this. I mean, you're terrible. But yeah, you should still get off your ass. <laughs> That's basically what he did. Imagine walking into a job interview. Well, imagine telling someone to apply for a very high-end job. It's like, you're not fucking qualified at all. I mean, you should still throw your name in there and get off your ass. Still throw your name in there. I mean, you're probably not going to get the job. But you should at least try. I mean, no excuses. You definitely should apply. I mean, you have no... I mean, you know, have, have no background in this, but yeah, you should definitely go ahead and do that. <laughs> but you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but uh, my uh, question is, like, how far is she capable of, like, becoming maybe like Ahsoka or near that level? Like, how far can she go with this training? I'd say she, or her. I think she tops out. The thing is, it sucks because we're not going to ever be able to quantify this and people are only going to see on screen. So she's going to look like a badass and one of the best to ever do it. But realistically, if we were able to compare all works of Star Wars and all the accomplishments of every great Jedi, the best I think Sabine Wren could hope for is a little bit better than an average Jedi. Maybe a little bit better. I don't think that she was going to be in the top... 10 Jedis or anything like that. I think she's very much a, a middle of the ground like potential. Like right now like her her floor like she kind of sucks. Like the, the guys like dude, you're the worst. Like no, like, like you're actually the worst. <laughs> like 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 there's never there's never been a worse candidate to be a Jedi than you, Sabine. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> but, but like 
what I'm saying is, is I think with this training and, and all the uh, life experiences she's going to go, she's going to end up topping out at an above average Jedi, like, like what I would say. Like, I would never put her anywhere near Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon or Yoda or Mace Windu or Anakin or Luke. Uh, no, like I don't, I don't see her anywhere in there. I, I even put Ahsoka kind of higher and closer up there. I don't even think that Sabine Wren is going to be at an Ahsoka type level either. Yeah, uh, that's just my opinion. You know, it, it, it gets diluted down, and on top of it, there's no one really around to train anymore. Unless they're gonna break. We talked about last week bringing out all these Jedi who somehow mysteriously survived Order sixty six, and they they're able to you know band together. But just think about it logically. We see that when the Order was at its height, we had Qui Gon Jinn training the, the, the like uh, Obi Wan's like, his apprentice, right? So Qui Gon Jinn trained Obi Wan, Master. Qui-Gon, Apprentice, Obi-Wan. Then Obi-Wan, like Master, Anakin, Apprentice. We knew Anakin was they had the highest metachlorine count that was ever recorded. So he had this like big potential there. But the thing is they had a whole system and they had every they had, they had different Jedi training. It was like a school. It was, it was very much like a school in educational. And so you got the the knowledge, but also the training in, in all all forms, like combat training, force training. You know, the, like you know, the the historical training. So it was just a system that just doesn't exist anymore. And so, in, in each each way, it kind of gets diluted because now there's no record of it. They destroyed that the, the temple. There's no there's no records now. So all the Jedi stuff is, is all forgotten. It's all based on memory. And so Ahsoka is like it's not necessarily Ahsoka's fault, but she's only gonna be training based on what she remembers. And her and her own training was very limited because she walked away before she completed her training with Anakin. So this is I mean I'm not saying it's her fault and there's anything that Sabine could do, but realistically, given with what they have, she's never gonna top out as more than an above average. Jedi. That's what I. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's a, a great point. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, this brings up even more problems with the fucking new series that I don't even consider real with Rey Skywalker. Like, why the fuck can she do any of that when she really didn't have a, a trainer? <laughs> but whatever. I'm leaving that out of it. But yeah, I, I, I think you're right and. If you really think about it, what's interesting is Anakin technically didn't even really complete his training with Obi-Wan. Like, I mean, he started suffering into the dark side. And remember, they really didn't even give him a fucking chance. Like, I I still think that's why I always fight for my boy. Like, you know, I'm the fucking Sith on this fucking show (laughs) you're the you're the good old boy man but i got my red saber and i'm ready to take the power like it's like like no fucks given i'll fight for anakin all day because in the end the fucking council like yoda gave him shit for it and like they didn't even give him a fucking chance and now we're giving sabine chances that has no medical account pretty much barely any probably but yeah i think to answer the question is i think she will kind of top out as just an average um and it's interesting for this time because where we're at in this timeline it's almost like they've never really seen i i say true i don't want to say true power but like what like a legendary jedi can do besides like luke which like saved the day for that one brief moment right like and, and you know we had the obi-wan series but even vader when he came out and fought obi-wan 
it wasn't like he was going up against a bunch of Mandalorian or anything. It's like he was there for what he came for. Like he wasn't wasting his time with any shit like that. So they really haven't even seen like a legendary Jedi and what to compare it to. So I think, in my opinion, I think they will think of her as like probably one of the best Jedi to ever exist besides Ahsoka. But that's because they really have nothing to compare it to. And yeah, I, I think, I don't even know if she can top out as like an above average because if Ahsoka really had, it depends on what you're comparing it to. Because if Ahsoka really had limited training with Anakin, and Anakin, of course, you can argue, really became the most powerful Jedi of all time because there was a part where he kind of tapped out Obi Wan. But if he didn't really reach the potential peak of training because he left Obi Wan early. And Ahsoka left early, so she can only teach Sabine so much. Like, she's very capped out. Like, there's there's no much farther than that that you can even really do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, honestly, the only thing she's going to ever be is average. And I think what's going to wind up happening is she's going to have to revert back to some of that Manda, uh, Mandalorian style. But um, I think she'll be better than what she is. But do I think it's really possible? Not really, unless we see something else. Maybe Balin Skull can take her under her wing and <laughs> she goes bad. I, I don't know, but I think, yeah, she's going to wind up being very average, but it's just all they kind of see at this time. So she'll be viewed as one of the best Jedi to ever exist because that's all they really know in this timeline. Um second part of this and then i'll turn it over to you is balen skull man he is uh definitely a wild card for sure um what you know he's kind of him and shin have basically kind of been going on been following along with the plans of morgan here do you think they will always follow along with the plans of morgan or do you think they have tricks up their sleeve I think Shin Hati does whatever Balin Skull tells her to do. I think she's a good apprentice, and he's and basically he's got full control over her. And if he tells her to do something, she'll do it. Balin Skull, I think, has his own motives. I think he's playing along with what they need to do to get to um, a place or uh, <clears throat> get to a, to like a person, whatever. I, I don't whatever the end goal is. I think he's going to play along until there. And I don't think I honestly think he's going to betray them like yeah, I don't think he's gonna you know pull a fast one and you know attack Morgan Elsbeth or you know destroy try to destroy Thrawn or anything like that I think he's gonna play his role to get there get paid and then he's gonna be like now I'm focusing on my shit like I think that's what more so than anything else like he's gonna end up focusing on his own stuff at the very end of this series he will no longer be like part of this whole because right now he doesn't he's not really in command like or morgan elsbeth seems to be calling the shots and about where they're going and stuff because she's got the ships she's got the um i mean and she's obviously she's a witch too and she's she's got the coordinates she knows the map this is her show to run and i think balen school is cool with that i think he's like he he seems like he's a very chill guy like all right cool run the show but i think when it's time for him to act on his own 
uh, opportunities or uh, of his own what like, he actually truly wants to do or uh, he's got like I said I think he's got his own plan I think he's gonna leave everyone in the dust and say see you later I don't think he's gonna attack I don't think he's gonna kill anyone I think he's just going to um, go off onto his own devices that that's what I think yeah I I think a hundred percent I think he's definitely uh, I mean just based on what he said with Ahsoka last episode with his thoughts on that. And I think honestly, Morgan's already kind of, I don't think he trusts Morgan at all. I think just like you said, I think he's just tiptoeing along, uh, taking it step by step just until he can fuck shit up is what I honestly think he's going to do. And I think, you know, I, I think he really will. I don't know if it's, maybe he has connections to Thrawn or um but I think he has I definitely do think he does have his own intentions at play um and it makes me even wonder like where does he get his background like where did he get his training from and that sort of thing do you have any idea on that yeah they told us remember uh Hugh Yang told us when he scanned the lightsaber that belonged to Balin Skull and that was someone that um that was trained at the Jedi Temple, like the original Jedi Temple. So that's where Balin, Balin School got his training from the original Jedi Temple. That's why he's like he's so in tune and like, and he, I would say balance is a great way to say. Like, yeah, he's a he's a antagonist and he seems to do bad things for money, but he, he's not like emotional. He's not like all over the place erratic. It, he seems very calm and collected about what he does and very like almost matter of fact. Like like whatever he does, he's just like yeah. Like, it's just a very, very chill guy. And I think a lot of that is he's at peace within himself because he knows he's mastered ways of the Force in, in certain aspects. Maybe not for the good, but, you know, he, he's he been fully trained as a Jedi. And, like, he was able to walk away. He ended up walking away from the Jedi, but he was trained in that, that temple. and Because that, that's what Yang said. Yang said that, it, like, that lightsaber belonged to one person, and that's who it was. So, um, definitely formidable opponent for sure. So it, if uh, I'm assuming with him walking away from the Jedi Temple, I'm assuming that would have had to be like before the order was initiated, I guess, because all the Jedis were supposed to be either they escaped and happened to escape or they were, you know, they were supposed to be massacred. So I'm assuming it would have to be somewhere like before, right? I would assume so too. I just don't know the answer to that because I don't know the timelines, and I don't know maybe if there was ever, if it's ever shown that before Order sixty six came about, if maybe a, a choice was given to people who seem to have power hungry intentions, similar to Anakin. Maybe I don't. I mean, this is just me just spitballing. I I could be well off <laughs> way in left field on my own, just flapping <laughs> in the wind over here. But I, I think it, it, maybe there's an uh, there's an idea that people could have been given an option. Obviously, if, if they were trained by one of the pure Jedi, like, I don't think they would have presented that option. But they maybe saw, you know how they saw that, a little bit of imbalance in Anakin. Maybe they could see that in other people too and say, hey, listen, like if you want to survive, the Jedi are done. We don't. I'm not going to give you any information on that. But if you if you want to live and you want power, like dip out of the temple this time you know it could have happened i don't know again I, i'm probably just yeah. i'm probably just bullshitting around but yeah but what's, what's more <laughs> realistic is like to your point um leaving leaving the jedi order before order 66 
Well, that's an interesting thought, too, because, like, you know, there was the Jedi Council, right? Like, what if there was a council for the other side of the Force? And, like, hey, you know, like, hey, you either join us or die sort of thing. So it's an interesting thought. Like, you know, that side's never really ever revealed a lot. And a lot of people don't think about that because we know who took over that side. <laughs> we just always think of, like, you know, there's one probably the most famous villain of all time is Darth Vader. <laughs> like, there just is. And they just think of Darth Vader, but you never know what other sides that could come into play. Like, you know, Morgan, she's a witch. Like, that's another part of things. And just how far that side really expands. Not a lot of people really think about that because they always want to think of, you know, the good side of the Force. But there's always a bad side, too. So... Yeah, I'll jump into my debates here. So the one question, like one, I guess this is an interesting one too because it's not necessarily a debate. This is more of like a what if scenario and something I think that should be considered or at least get your idea if you think it'd be kind of fun to see on the opposite because you kind of just gave me an idea there a little bit about the opposite side. I already had this debate, but it really does kind of flow well with what you just said about you know what happened on the flip side what there was like a level of a council on the flip side what i think would be really cool is if the antagonist here in the ahsoka series but whether it's this season or a future season probably for the future because you know there's just a lot going on right now but if there's future seasons of the show i think that it'd be really interesting for the bad guys to kidnap hu yang then re like, like put a programming in to uncover all he knows about the Jedi Order and then use all the, the tips and tricks and, and all those things to create a new band of, of bad guys. I don't know if you want to call them Sith or like you know, the whole thing of Sith or whatever, but basically use the Jedi's uh, tactics and history and expertise against them because Hu Yang has all of that stored in his, his system. He he's, was there from the beginning. And he was able to escape because he's not a Jedi, so they didn't like focus on taking out a, a droid. You know, they didn't have any idea. But now they they got an idea that they're they're getting their information from somewhere. The scan they knew that the the ship was a hyperspace ship or a hyperspace ring. They knew that Balin Skull's lightsaber was was his. So you know, they're getting all this information. They they know it's come from somewhere. So if they can put it together that Hu Yang has all of this information about the Jedi from the very beginning, if they are able to kidnap him and program it to where he can give up that information to them and they can use that information to create their own like anti-jedi i know like the anti-jedi is considered the sith but like let's put the <laughs> sith aside for now and just if you think about creating something like anti-jedi without any sort of it's almost like an army not so much uh an idea because i think the sith and the master and apprentice thing is like an idea of like power and growing in an empire, like you know, the Palpatine and and Anakin and 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 so on and so forth. Palpatine and, and Darth Maul, whatever. There's always there's always two: the Master and the Apprentice. That's what that's a whole Sith thing. Well, instead of that, let's put that shit to the side and start thinking about building a fucking army. And I think that would be like dope to build an army f full of people who are trained in the Jedi ways on the but are like bad. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like that would be badass to be honest with you. So. I don't know. Do you think that's a cool idea to have them kidnap this this droid that knows everything and kind of utilize that information against him? And now all of a sudden you really kind of fuck is now you got to really come together with these individuals that have all the knowledge of these 
old historic Jedi and all the stories and all this. Now you got that, and it's being used against you. I think that'd be kind of sick. What do you think? That's really interesting, and uh, I have a response to this. And, hmm, that's a very interesting question, because what could happen? So, and we actually have an interesting facts TikTok on this I made a couple years ago, because they came out with a book that it depends on what you really decide to call canon but you know star wars books even though they're considered canon they have all sorts of writers there is one writer there's a book called the ronin that's uh tries to explain the original first jedi that became a sith and he's called the ronin because uh basically he was he was the only one to first go out on his own and it describes these jedi that basically worked for lords that told the Jedi what to do, whether it was taken over like villages and, and towns. And he was the first one, long story short, to say he wasn't going to take over this town and went off on his own, kind of like Balin Skull. And ironically, uh, it actually features um, very briefly, and this is on our TikTok, so you can look at it, the Dark Sisters of Dathomir and what the Dark Sisters were doing was using magic to create basically like they weren't exactly Sith but like kind of like uh, possessed Jedi in a way so it's very interesting kind of similar to what you're saying which I actually put on the TikTok that I don't consider it canon because it's just like one of those Star Wars legend story that someone wrote but it's very kind of similar to what you're saying. Like maybe at this point, you could do something like that. Well, for where sure. You have, they, yeah. I mean, they've already uh, introduced the Night Sisters of Dathomir in this series. So, like, yeah, dude, that this is a perfect time to do something like that. I, I, sorry to just kind of jump in on there, but you just really got me thinking because you're like, yeah, they did this this piece of work in literature that you read had the nice sisters of Dathomir and they did a possessed type of Jedi thing. Like, dude, I didn't even know that. <laughs> like, I, he just told me that for the first time. I was just yeah. spitball ideas. Like, this is a perfect time to fucking pull this together. But anyways, I'll let you finish your thought on it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually really cool. And uh, long story short, with this story in the Ronin, was he goes over to the dark side and they were possessing so many people. He didn't agree with it and basically had to go back more over to a neutral side like Balin's skull and uses his own like group to defeat <laughs> part of the uh the dark sisters is what they're called right the dark sisters night dark sisters. sisters night sisters night sisters <laughs> yeah my bad the night sisters uh so what i mean and they basically built like their own army so you could definitely do something like that like that's very interesting thought um it, yeah, that would be a hell of a force. And, you know, if you did something like that, I think Ahsoka and Sabine are fucked. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what you really, truly do have to bring the Mandalorian in it. And I don't think, even if you had Din Djarin, he couldn't even hold his own against a spider cyborg. Like, what makes you think he can take on an army of jedi that are possessed in the dark side of the force like i i don't think it's possible like yeah especially in this book too they weren't exactly i guess you can't call them sith or anything because they didn't have the full training of like a jedi or anything but still kind of on the marak level like i wouldn't want to fuck with that like actually higher than that really and 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 even if you think into the magic aspect of the force 
like that would be a hell of a way to go like now you're starting to get into like a game of thrones star wars shit going on that'd be fucking awesome man and and then yeah then you really got a hell of a time on your hands so that's a fucking great idea man yeah you know you heard it here first on chasing josh factor fantasy from jay nelly i will say too is like all of that what i was coming from there because it's it's cool that you tied it into the nice sisters and that is a big piece of where the ahsoka series is right now and and morgan elsbeth and those being her ancestors my thing is is that i I was almost just thinking because if they they come into play and they can possess people like that's cool aspect of it but i was even thinking now that we're going to take that let's take that a step further because i was just thinking maybe people could do like the full jedi training because they'll have access to all the information needed for a full jedi training um, however many years that would take because if they did kidnap Hu Yang he's got all that information stored so you have someone who kidnaps this droid or at least like is kidnaps it for a small amount of time but is able to uh, really copy every piece of data from him and then he gets released and no one really knows that they stole that data like that could be another aspect of it too because now Hu Yang's back so it's it's not you know, maybe they rescue him, but they're a little bit too late to stop the information from being copied. Now they got all this information. You have someone really take the time and build out an army of people who are are somewhat skilled and have maybe uh, force sensitive properties. But now you've got a full Jedi training, and you train them from the very beginning exactly how it was supposed to be in the Jedi Order. But now they're the flip side of Jedi, the the bad Jedi. That's even worse than the possessed Jedi because they're actually gonna be skilled and they're actually gonna know things. And so you add that to it, I just think you you got a really big fight on your hands. And honestly, you probably have to bring in our old pal Luke Skywalker to start handling some shit because like that, that that's what you have to do. Because right now Luke Skywalker in this timeline is still in his prime, right? Like like we just saw him. We just saw him when he showed up and picked up Grogu a couple years ago. So he's not an old man by any means. He's in his prime of being Luke Skywalker. This is the time. Like this is this is 100% the time where you you do something crazy like that and you need to have the legendary Jedi come in and and try to save your ass. And even then, who's to say that that it's even possible? You have a full-blown army of anti-Jedi who are trained in the Jedi ways but for the bad. You you're got you got one hell of a of an army on your hands and one one hell of a an enemy to deal with. That's what I'll say about that. Yeah, man. And and that's a question too. Like, what the hell is Luke doing right now? Is this like in between time? Yeah, because he wouldn't be training Ben Kenobi yet, which I say Ben Kenobi as Kylo Ren. Like, he's not really... I mean, I guess Kylo is about the age, is Leia. Wait, it's, it's, it's Ben Obi-Wan. Solo, isn't it? Isn't it Han Solo? Song? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah ben, Solo. ben Solo. Yeah. Sorry, that's right. He he was named after Ben Kenobi, which is Obi-Wan. So, yeah, Ben Solo. I get, is that, like, around this time? Because we saw Leia as very young age in the Obi-Wan series. But is is this right around that time period? I don't know. We probably have another. There's probably a year, a couple years gap. I don't know, maybe like five year gap before. I would assume that this would start because I, I would, I don't know this for a fact, but it almost made it seem that Grogu might have been the f- first thing that Anakin trained himself. No, I'm sorry, not Anakin. The first uh, uh, creature or or uh, student that Luke trained himself. So I don't know. It depends if he's been training be, be things before. Grogu, then yeah, it probably is the the direct timeline. But if Grogu was the first one, it's probably gonna build up to him training Ben Solo 
So it just it just depends on on that of I, we don't really know Luke's training schedule, who was his first pupil, who was his first whatever. And if we learn that, we'll be able to kind of place in the timeline of of when Luke started training Ben Solo. Technically, you got Han still kicking it, man. Let's get our boy back. <laughs> Let's get that AI working. You know what I mean? <laughs> got him. Yeah, imagine that, right? And this is way out of left field, but just for fun. Like, imagine if you had Han Solo come back to, like, help lead the Mandalorians with Din Djarin. And then you had Luke come back to help lead whatever Jedis are left. Like, that would be fucking cool. Like, it'd be kind of cheesy. But, like, for just, like, one last... Imagine, like, right before this series ends, like, you have, like, a whole seasons, multiple seasons, and then, like, at the very end of, like, The Mandalorian, like, you have these armies that you came up with, and the last clip is Luke and Han (laughs) that just, like, showed up. That'd be fucking, I don't know. Do you think it'd be ridiculous? I honestly think that's the only way that you win that battle is if you have all those guys you fucking you 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 telling me i'm gonna be able to see a semi prime han solo chewbacca luke uh and i don't know if they'd end up recasting or whatever for for leia but you're gonna tell me i'm gonna see all those people as we saw them in the 70s and and they're gonna be part of the whole deal of taking down this new potential enemy that we just created out of our minds here. Cause we're going crazy on the show today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> say, let's, yeah, let's capture who Yang. Let's get the, let's get the Jedi information over to the bad guys. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, so, but you're telling me, you got me sold. Like take my money, like take my money. If I get to watch all these guys, like, you know, I want to kind of see it uh, happen to where they, they try to do it just themselves. Maybe the Mandalorian and Ahsoka get together and they try and they're starting to get real fucked up and on there. You just see them pull up and it's fucking time to roll, baby. Let's do it. Like I, I'm in, like I'm pumped right now. I got goosebumps. I'm ready to watch that shit, dude. Dude. Imagine that shit. Like even you could even say Leia is somewhere else. Like say you just, cause think about it. Like the original, a new hope, which we know because we're, we're, I guess you can't really say we're Star Wars OGs because, like, Star Wars OGs is like the 80s. So, what would you call us? Like, like, new, new out Star Wars people? I don't know what you would call us, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just like fans, <laughs> fans of the series. Like, I just, yeah, just people who, you know, I just study it and maybe just like we do a little bit more uh, intensive research. So, yeah, you know, you know, it's hard to call us like OG because we weren't, we weren't alive there, but. I just think we're, we're knowledgeable Star Wars fans. Like, Yeah. Anyways, imagine how badass this would be, though. Like, remember A New Hope when it was originally, like, when you finally had, like, you know, Luke and Han. And, like, they were just hanging out together for a bit. Like, even, like, from that bar or whatever the fuck it was. Like, imagine just, like, this very end here. Like, they're about to get fucked. Like, Avengers style, about to get fucked. And then you have Luke... You have the Millennium fucking Falcon fly in, just starts mowing people fucking down, and then you have the fucking, uh, whatever you call it, the ramp, like, just goes down, and then getting off the ramp is Luke, Han, and Chewie. Everyone would fucking lose their fucking mind. Like, how fucking cool would that be? Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be, it'd, it'd be very similar to that. Avengers Endgame when the portals open and you see all those badass motherfuckers flying through ready to take out Thanos. It'd be the Star Wars equivalent of that. 
You know, you see all these people go down, the armor goes down, and Dinjarin's taking a lot of fire, Grogu's kind of, you know, not doing the hottest, Ahsoka's, like, one of her lightsabers is broken, you see Sabine Wren laying on the ground, like, you see all these things happen, and all of a sudden, you just said the Millennium Falcon pulls up, and you're just like, oh shit, now the real battle starts, let's go, like, yeah, I'm in, take my money. Dude, you heard it on Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy first, which... You know, just saying that's happened a couple times on this show. <laughs> so just saying, just saying, uh, you know, when we're in season seven or eight and if they're throwing some shit like this, you know where you heard this because there's been a couple things that have happened very similar that are going to be coming up at some point that, uh, you know, I, I, I think if you roll back the clocks a little bit, you might know where they came from. <laughs> so... Uh, with that, man, uh, any other debates or questions or closing thoughts? No, man, that's it. So if you got that, that's all. Let's go ahead and close this on out today, guys. If uh, this is your first time tuning in, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been here since the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you want to find us online, we're on all the social sites. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous patronus. We're, uh, we have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got a backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. And we're on YouTube at Ridiculous Patronus. We have, uh, we're on Twitter at RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat at RP Factor Fantasy. And we do have our own site, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So do us a favor, go ahead and click like, subscribe, follow along on those pages. Leave us star ratings, leave us written out reviews, any of the engagement you you know, kind of involve yourself in with us, it really helps us here on the show. So we really do appreciate that engagement. In terms of the podcast itself, if you want to listen to us, you got an Apple product, you got an iPhone, you got a little iPad, you got, you got, you got anything that Apple related, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you got an Android, uh, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Amazon Music, we're on Audible, we're on Stitcher, we're on Acast, we're on our host site, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcast, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day. This has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.